Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've learned from my struggles with chemo brain and executive functioning disorder. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now entrepreneur, with 20 years of experience in business and office design. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, mom of a teen, a wife, and a lifelong learner. I've discovered that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget important appointments, we can learn to be more productive. We can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and much more manageable. Listen in and learn how to create a plan to streamline your space and your systems so you can be more focused and organized. Hey everyone, Katherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. Today I have an amazing guest, like way different than our usual guests. We're going to have so much fun. She is Nyota Gordon. She is a United States Army retiree with over 22 years of active federal service that uses her leadership skills as your adaptability coach and leadership strategist at Transition 365. She helps high-performing veterans and everyday people conquer their transitions by using their hard-earned skill to find significance, meaning, and purpose and become adaptive in their personal and professional lives and create new money through part-time entrepreneurship. With NIOTA, you create a new life's mission that helps you get rid of limiting beliefs and replace them with powerful certainties. And I've been chatting with NIOTA before this, and she is powerful. We are going to have fun. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I think the obvious place is to start with the military. And you were young. I'm going to say you were about 10 when you joined the military. <laughs> and no, I was 12. <laughs> 12. Yes, you were 12. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not for the military, although I do believe deeply in our military. And uh, my dad was in the Army during the Berlin call-up, which was a lot of years ago. And in fact, he almost had to go AWOL to marry my mother. <laughs> Which is kind of, he had some wild stories and I'm sure um, yours are, well, you might have some wild stories too, but you were involved in information management and cybersecurity, which is such a huge aspect of military procedure now. Tech is not my superpower, but I'd be interested in hearing like how you made this transition. You know, you come out of the military, suddenly you're in civilian life, which I assume is like a major shift. And how does this background inform your work in adaptability coaching? Like you said, I've I, been in the military I was in for my entire youth. And one of the things that we learn to do in the military is pick up and go. Mm. You know, I was in a different place every two to three years. Yeah. The longest duty assignment that I was somewhere was five years, and that felt like forever. Um, so, one of the things that they they have taught us is to be adaptable, be ready to change, to be agile, to always be growing, to always be learning, you know, and especially being in that cybersecurity space, you know, cyber is different. It seems like every other month. So I was always, I mean, you should see even some of the books that I have over here now, you know, just about, you know, the change and, you know, managing projects and managing people. 
You know, you have to be very agile when you're just even handling and managing and being a person. So um, just being in that space of being around people, around technology and things always growing and changing, it really began to be that it's the skill because originally I was the tr- a transition coach, right? Mm-hmm. And that's so big and it's so, um, it could be so hard to digest, right? So people are like, oh, you're going to just help me find a new job. Oh, you're going to help me because my loved one passed away. Oh, you're going to help me because I'm going to college to corporate life and I can help you in that space. But the, when I was just listening to all of those different conversations, the conversation was about having that skill of adaptability. So I, I in turn embraced that. Right. Well, I love that. That is just amazing. So the transition 365 then is not just about people transitioning from military to civilian life. No. Um, when I first discovered that name, it wasn't about even transitioning from the military at all. It was um, about having an opportunity to be different every single day. It was an opportunity to change and grow and be more, see more, um, do more every single day. And so that's why I love that name, just to be able to transition every day, be different, be better than you were yesterday. And and that is where the actual name came from before I even knew that I was going to be helping people in this process. I just fell in love with that opportunity. Right. Love it. So talk to me, because we got into this whole discussion prior. Uh, let's talk about being women. In, in a very male space like the military. And then I was, a, I still am a woman, but I was <laughs> working in Wall Street. I was like, yeah, I was a woman and I still am. Uh, yeah, thank you. Working in Wall Street, which has that very male testosterone culture, not good or bad, you know, as we were talking prior, we were talking about, we love men. Like we love the energy men bring to the world. Right. We love when they open the door for us. You know, right. I'm, I'm raving about how awesome my husband is to take my car for emissions. Like we like male energy. Right. And, and I think one of the things you and I were grappling with was how do we bring the female and the male energy and have it like with the right balance? And the reason we're bringing this up is because of what just happened with AOC and the fact that a man, uh, one of the congressmen was very impolite to her for the nicest way I can say it. Um, <laughs> and her very it. measured, very deliberate, uh, so impressive response. Because there's me that would be like coming back, you, you call me a effing bitch, I'll tell you an effing whatever, you right. know? And, 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 and to see her power in that, mm. she brought her feminine and her masculine energy to her response. I'd love to talk about that because we were having a blast talking about it. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I learned in the military, first, let me say this. When I very first got out of the military, my sister brought it to my attention that most of my Facebook friends were men. And I never noticed it because I always worked with men. Those were the people that I was around. That was the people, you know, they were the people. Those were my people. And when I got out, I feared that I wasn't feminine enough. 
You know, I didn't want to show up as this overbearing, dominating, testosterone driven woman because, you know, that can, you see it, you see it often with people that were in the military, that were in male dominated spaces that were, you know, that are police officers and in these male dominated spaces, you know, we carry on the energy of the people that were around. And um, so I was very concerned about that. Although my mom is super pretty, feminine, earrings, nails, all of those sort of things. So I was very hesitant about that. But while I was in, you have to put on this, you have to carry this balance of don't try me, but Mm -hmm. I still want you to help me. Right. Right. And so there's this balance that I wasn't quite sure how to maneuver my entire military career, you know, because you almost get punished if you're too feminine, but then you get punished if you're not feminine enough because Mm -hmm. then they're like, oh, you're trying to be a man. You shouldn't be here anyway, but you only get that you shouldn't be here anyway when you're what they're perceived as overperforming or if you're not asking them and I'm saying them men for help. So I constantly had this struggle, but on the flip side of that, like I am a hundred percent a woman. I want you to help me. I want you to catch a door for me. I appreciate that. I want you to walk on the streets, on the traffic side of the street, right? right? I want you to be a man. I want you to show up as a man. I want to be a woman, but that doesn't mean I want to be with you, right? So Mm -hmm. there's that whole balance of like, and just because you're being kind as a man, you know, I don't automatically think that you want me. Or just, you know, so there's this balance that people can misconstrue kindness or a man being a man or a woman being a woman as me wanting to be in relationship with you. Like there's this whole, and then in this space, I'm sorry, I'm just taking over and not giving you a chance. I'm loving it. Keep going. But in this space, there's this hyper femininity of, you know, women being super I don't know what it's being, um, you know, but it's, it's almost to the point where it's men are trying to find their way and being masculine in this space of hyper femininity, but not femininity in the way where everyone's putting on lipstick and eyeshadow and doing crazy weird eyelashes, not that kind of femininity, but this whole girl power, women power, but it's a power that can be so dominating. Now people are like, well, we're, even as Nyota, a woman, well, where do I fit in this space? Because that's not who I am, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a hundred percent woman and I want you to catch that door for me, please. Right. And thank you. <laughs> and it's, it's funny you say that because you were talking about your mom. I, am, I was a tomboy. Mm-hmm. I was not super duper feminine at all. And when I worked on Wall Street, just you wore suits and heels and mm-hmm. earrings, and that was all fine. And I had no problem with it, but that was sort of the uniform. It was the 90s, mm-hmm. and that's how you dressed. And 
I remember being an AIG insurance company. Mm-hmm. And in four years, three months and two days or whatever it was that I worked there, but it was more than four years, I wore slacks to work a sum total of twice. Wow. And both days, you know, wool slacks, tailored mm-hmm. slacks. Mm-hmm. Both times that I wore the slacks, there were massive snowstorms outside. And it was funny because oh, I went on to, um, to work over at a, a, a company called Susquehanna with the New York Stock Exchange. Great, uh, both great experience. I learned so much uh, from both those experiences. I often say, yeah, I have an MBA, but I really got my MBA at AIG. Like learning, mm-hmm. I ended up on the international side. It was fascinating. I was working with people all over the world. I just loved it. I even got to travel some, which was amazing. And not as much as you traveled, but I got to choose where I, tra- I kind of got to choose where I traveled. It's funny because uh, when I was no longer in that world, I just never wore skirts. I just was like, oh, I am done with that. I'm wearing slacks and that's that. It's more comfortable, et cetera. And it's really interesting how about five or six years ago, as I got to spend more and more time with women and less and less time with men, and not because I wouldn't want to, like I said, I think men are amazing. What I did was I started wearing dresses. I had never worn a dress a day of my life. It was never something, I mean, outside of like prom, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just wasn't a dress wearer. And all of a sudden I was just like, embrace the dress. I love wearing dresses. And, and it's just like, I've watched my closet, you know, cause we, we designed this house nine, almost 10 years ago. And I, I, I have an interior design background. So um, I had designed our closets. And so of course my closet design has, you know, maybe like, a foot worth of space for dresses. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, how do I shift things to get more dress space? So it's very, very funny to see how we shift and how our identity around masculinity and femininity sort of shifts based on who we are and how we grow. You talk about adaptability. Right. And you know, who you're I, around. I, I kind of, this sounds terrible to say, but it's kind of true. When I worked in Wall Street, I was kind of like, women? <laughs> really? Yeah, bunch of babies, blah blah blah, and 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 now I'm like, women, oh, the women I know are powerful. They're yeah. feminine. They're brilliant. I love spending time with them. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I assume that's partly me. That also could be that's just women having grown into their own. Like they're just amazing. I just love the women I hang out with. Yeah. And if you hang around people. men all the time, yeah, when you people. hang around men all the time, you have that perspective of how m- men see women. When you hang around women, you have that same perspective of how women see women. Right. And um, a friend of I, uh, a friend that I have, we talk about this often that women don't dress for men. So it's weird that men assume that. And, and I can see how they could, but women actually dress for other women. I think that's true. And I think that there are times where I do dress for my husband. Oh, that's different. That's something different. <laughs> that's something so, different. You know, if we're going on a date, I want to look mm-hmm. good because I want him to know he's got his lady mm-hmm. on his arm. Yes. His beautiful, so, smart, intelligent lady. <laughs> thank you. And, and, and that's not all the time. Don't get me wrong. I'm just right. as to run out if we're going to barbecue in a pair of shorts or whatever. But like last, I'll give you an example. Last Sunday, I wonder if this was just after he did that emissions thing. Maybe I said to him, I said, it's a beautiful day. And I really don't want to be just trapped in the house, you know, with this whole COVID thing. It's hard to go anywhere. And I said, um, 
let's do like we used to do a hundred years ago and go take a day trip somewhere. Mm. And the way the day fell out, it just wasn't going to be the easiest thing. So what we did was we decided to go to Milford to this beautiful little restaurant on the river for brunch. And I put on a dress. Now, not mm. super fancy, but like a little sundress, some nice earrings, a little mascara. You know, I'm not going to say I was like over the top, but I was definitely just saying, he noticed. You know, we were out and he's like, you could tell, a little swagger, you know. And, <laughs> and, and, we, and then the funny part is, is after that, we had all these errands to run. Like the reason we went to Milford is because the errands were up in the Milford area. And, but we did them together and we had fun. And, and I look at dating my husband yeah. as, having a little fun, but also getting some things done, but we have fun while we're getting them done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather go do them together. So like it would be easy for me to say, Oh, I'm just going to the farm. Um, but most times when I'm going to the farm, I say, do you want to come? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the farm with them. I won't go to the grocery store right now. So I do a lot of fun <laughs> stuff right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not comfortable in the grocery that. store. He goes. I get it. He's great about that. So, and then we do, uh, what's it called? Instacart. For the things I need from Target. Oh, like, I, I love Instacart. Who, who, thank you, Instacart people right. and all the whole system behind that. Thank you. They're who amazing. Created I, mean, it I make sure to really tip generously. Yeah. And I didn't know when they do the tip thing online if they really got to keep all that. So what I do is I do a tip there and then I give cash. Yeah, I love, <laughs> I love Instacart. Thank oh, you. Yeah, that's a godsend. That. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing, you know, to manage the whole mm -hmm. target piece of things. Uh, it's very close to us. It would be very easy for me to run in and out. I'm just not super comfortable. I mean, I won't even walk into uh, CVS, the drugstore right now. And nothing against CVS. I'm sure they're, mm -hmm. sure they're doing everything they're supposed to. I do a little drive-through. <laughs> like, hi, here's my thing. I understand that. Yeah, I certainly understand that. The, the Army... Uh gifted me with uh with asthma oh geez never had it as a kid you know how you're like oh well i had it as a kid I you know i did a whole either i had it as an adult it came yeah. on later the army you know i've been to a lot of uh places where the air quality it's just not quite up to par that's what <laughs> i was assuming i was kind yeah. of yeah burn pits it all or no or is it permanent I don't know the answer to that. Um, I really didn't get it until um, 2013, 2014, right. right? And I got out in 2015. They were like, oh, you almost made it out of here with your lungs and breathing intact, but you're uh -huh. not going <laughs> to. So I, it, it, I got it pretty recent. And um, I did, a, did a, a live on Instagram the other day. So I still have these here. Right. Complaining about these inhalers and how they pinch your face. So, yeah. They're not the most comfortable things. I take the Advair disc, which I like a lot better. Mm, maybe not. I don't have one right here. I'd show it, but it's like purple disc. And it's, it's just round. I have that yeah, disc before. I like that one very much. Um, I don't really need the emergency inhaler. And in fact, over the course of the last however many years, I've been able to get my asthma medication way down. Oh, so nice. can, you know, through various things can get better. Um, Thank you. And I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for you and say my prayers that that'll happen. Thank for you. This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so are you game on your book? 
and miss, I wrote a book in three weeks. <laughs> Overachiever much, you know, on a productivity podcast. Well, I want to hear how anyone writes a book in three weeks. Let's start there. If, you, if you're comfortable with that. I am. I am. I am comfortable. So I'm going to lead with the positivity of this book, right? I did write the book in three weeks and anyone can, and, and when I'm, and I'm being, making a bold statement, you know, I'm saying anyone can do it, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have so much inside of us that we need to share. Right. And once you can be, once you can look at yourself in the mirror and wish how you could, how you could have been coached. Hmm. And when you can look at yourself in the mirror and, and look at the highest version of yourself and be like, what do you wish you would have known? How do you wish someone would have helped you? Right. Then it's, it's easy to, it, it flows because you'd be like, well, I wish someone would have told me that it's not going to be easy, mm. you know? Because you get the side of the, of leaving the military that I'm so happy that I'm gone. I'm so happy that I get to be a civilian. I'm so happy that I get to wear regular clothes, right? That's what you hear. Right. I wish someone would have talked to me about the struggle of not having anywhere to be. I wish someone would have talked to me about the struggle of not having anyone tell me what to do. I wish someone would have told me that I'm going to struggle because I don't have anyone to tell what to do, mm -hmm. right? I just wish I would have had that conversation, right? So when I look at me and listen to me, it was easy to talk about the, what we talk about in the military as the who, what, when, where, how, and what for, you know, and be able to write that out and write out this outline of what I wish I would have known and what I know now. Right. So it was easy to write out that outline. And this is the part. This is the part that's a lot more, not a secret now, but I, I talked my book, you know, I, so I did, um, it was like the whole talk to text, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're using you know, because sometimes when you're, you're talking, like if I'm having this conversation with me or with you, I would say it differently than I would write it. Right. So I talked my entire book. Now, you know, that's Brene Brown's style of writing. It's the best the way. process of writing agonizing. So she would get a friend for the weekend and they would mm -hmm. sit together and she would just talk to the friend. And mm -hmm. be recording and mm -hmm. friend taking notes, you know, for clarification or whatever, and go away for a weekend and talk a book. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of value in that. And I think the parallel for me is this podcast. And I've mm -hmm. really, I don't mm -hmm. know that I've ever really mentioned this on the podcast. You know, when I did the podcast, I did it because I have a message to share and I wanted to share people mm -hmm. on the podcast. And and, and get amazing people out there and all these really rah-rah good things for the world, right? Right. But what the gift I received from it was finding my voice. Mm. So my writing style, which I am an English lit major with a business degree and, you know, worked in business. So my writing style is light years from my speaking style. Mm. And what good. I found was 
by doing the podcast, I found my voice. Mm, that's good. Now I write, I write like I talk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a whole different experience for people because they get to know who you are, that whole no like, trust thing of yeah. seeing who you legit are. The content coach I worked with last year told me, I said, you know, I noticed you kind of swear on your social media and I do swear, uh, I'm, you know, like, like a sailor and I don't, uh, I don't necessarily do that on social media. And I said, I'm trying to feel my way through that and, mm-hmm. and how that looks. And she said, well, here's the thing. It's possible when I'm coaching a client, I'm going to use a swear word. Right. Don't I want them to know that's right. coming up? That that's so, so they'll know. So they'll resonate with me. They'll be like, okay, I'm a person who's okay with swearing. Therefore, I can work with this coach. And I was like, oh, yeah, check that out. That makes a lot of sense. Right. I'm a, I'm a cusser. And normally, I, I normally give that disclaimer, like, hey, <laughs> I didn't give you it was too fast I didn't give you the disclaimer because um it's not that I I cuss when I'm mad because I don't no 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 but if I get excited yeah. or I need like an explanation point like I will cuss I don't cuss when I'm upset because I'm very deliberate and intentional when I'm upset because I want you to hear me and I don't want you to have that distraction of me cussing so then you can focus on that cuss word. Nope. Not going to get that. Not for me. I want you to hear what I'm saying. And I want you to hear what I, what I'm struggling with. And I want you to help me there. But if I'm excited and I'm having a good time, Oh hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Oh, that shit was so funny. Like I will, I will cuss. And you may even, you know, you said you had watched some of my walk and talk videos. So you may even hear me coming in and out of my cussing. And, and I definitely, um, I definitely resonate with that. Like, I want you to know who I am already. I don't want you to be surprised when I cuss because I, I don't, I'm just not a person who cuss. I'm a cusser. <laughs> like I cuss, like I am a cusser. So I, but I love, I love the, the dynamic that it can bring to a conversation. I love the way a cuss word feels like, especially if you're using it in a way that's like an explanation point and not just to like bring people down or something like that. Cause that's different. Oh, I don't, I, I'm actually a huge proponent of not saying negative words to people. Mm-hmm. You know, talk mm-hmm. about the actions, not that. So I have to tell you the story you made me think of. Mm-hmm. I was at AIG, so a lot of time years ago. Remember, now I'm there in my little suit with my skirt on mm-hmm. and my heels and my stockings and the whole nine yards. And this, this gentleman who was running one of the departments was very upset with me, just freaking out, like panic, like this wasn't done. You haven't made the reservation for this, blah, blah, blah. And he was much taller than him, towering over me, right? And he's just, you know, yelling and yelling. You know, I'm trying to sit like, it's okay. I took care of it. All right, it's done. Like it's we're good. It's you asked me to do this, I did it. It's done, right? And I cannot get through to him, and I'm just like standing listening. Like, and finally, I just look at him. And I said, "Would you shut the up?" <laughs> Step back. Mm-hmm. Full blown shock. You know, first of all, it's the '90s. Second of all, I'm a woman, and third of all, I'm a woman who didn't cuss in front of people mm. at work went to the bar, 
that was a different story. We had bar time and what happened at the bar <laughs> stayed at the bar and what happened at work stayed at work. And we were very clear cut because the nineties, it was already getting into that whole women's rights, be appropriate, et cetera. So there was a lot, but I wanted to hang with the guys and have fun. So with the bar work. So anyway, I do this and this guy just stands there shell shocked. And I said, now that I have your attention, it's all taken care of. You have nothing to worry about. And he looked at me, he's like, he goes, did you, did you hear Did you know she can talk like that? Oh, you know, like he was like, so he's like, oh, I'm glad to hear it's done. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I can't believe you did that. I said, and, and that was the day I learned in my early 30, maybe late 20s, the power behind a word and how you could use it in an incredibly powerful way. And if mm-hmm. you just use it all the time, it takes the power out of it. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a great thing to learn that, that in a way it was really me stepping into my womanhood and nice. saying like, this is not okay. You are yelling at me and this is not okay. Yeah. So you need to shut up. That's my favorite. It's actually my favorite cuss word. It's my favorite cuss word. Yeah. I love that one. And I do not talk that way in business meetings. I'm very careful. I I might be a little bit here and there, but for the most part, I really don't because I'm in a professional Mm -hmm. setting and I want professional to be taken seriously as professional. Um, You and I are out, you know, power walking. Close your ears. (laughs) Yeah, it's my favorite. Like the way you can use it. Yeah, like the way you can spin it, the way you can break it up and put words in between it. Like, (laughs) oh man. Multi purpose. I'm telling you. Oh man. It's not all (laughs) what the podcast was about. But it's interesting (laughs) because we think about like the power words are powerful. They are powerful. Powerful. And there are words that Boy, we could go into the whole Black Lives Matter movement just thinking Absolutely. about this. There are words that my daughter uses in a context. She's 15. She goes to school mm-hmm. that's extremely diverse, which was her choice. And I love, love, love. And she is comfortable with words that I grew up that were like, words you do not use ever. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, but mom, you are so not with it. You don't understand. And I'm like, well, I'm in, as long as you are all good with your friends. And yeah, that's funny. The power of words, you know, they can be used for good or for evil, right? Absolutely. And just as you talk about, you know, the difference between writing or your podcast, like the, the power of words and the power that they wield, you know, that, you know, how we would say, oh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words would never hurt me. Lies. Contrary. Words, you know, words hurt the worst. They do because they stay. They really do stay. And it's it's yeah. been a fascinating experience as a as a mother to learn what words are okay to use and what words aren't. Mm. And to be able to be uh, you know firm, but at the same time to affirm my daughter right. where she is and what she believes in and to have that open channel so that she still talks to me because I do want right. her to talk to me. Now it's the same. No, she's 15. All up in a room. Play my, <laughs> like, and that's fine. Look, you know, but to know, but she knows that she can come to you. Well, you and know? It, you know, in work, I call it the judgment free zone. 
Mm. At home, I call it a safe place to land. Yes. And we right? all and need a we safe all place to land. Place to land? We, need, we need a safe place to land. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. That's good. That's a hug. I love right. a hug. I miss a hug, but I love I a hug. Hugs yeah. Too. Yeah. We, saw, yeah. we saw dear friends Thursday night. I think it was Thursday night. No, it wasn't Thursday night. Wednesday night. <laughs> what mm-hmm. day is it? <laughs> we saw dear friends. I need a clock that tells me the day. Right. Uh, and they came over for socially distanced dinner and literally brought their mm-hmm. own forks and knives and napkins mm-hmm. and drinks and little, you know, cup things. And we ordered takeout because then we knew no one would have to use plates. We literally mm-hmm. ate out of the dishes that they came in and we have a quite a long table on our back patio and it was a beautiful night. So they sat all the way at one end. We sat all the way at the other end, like the Kings and Queens at separate ends. It was crazy. And it was so great to see them. Like we haven't seen them since, I don't know, December. Mm. And uh, the, the best part with, you know, it was just knowing that like, we can do that. We can find a way to see each other. Right. The hard part was they were leaving and I was like, I just want to, I'm just, I want to give you a hug for goodbye. And I know I can't do that. And that's, that's been the hardest part for my mother-in-law. Yeah. You know, she's 80 years old and she's a diabetic and we, we just, we can't, we can't. And this is that adaptability. Like we're forced into it. So you may as well embrace it. You know, we call it in the military embracing the suck, right? Expression. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I've forgotten about it. Yeah. I've got to use that. Yeah. And this is part of the suck, you know, of of being forced into adaptability, you know, of not being able to touch, not being able to hug, to hold hands with people that you want to be able to share that intimate space with, you know, and and that's, that's part of the sucky part of being adaptable, you know? Yeah. But if you can embrace the suck, then you embrace the good, you know, the good parts even more. Right. And that's for me, you know, when we had to start doing this, we'd already had to circle the wagons once because I had had cancer. So, Mm. you know, Mm. I knew we could do this, but it's a very different thing because with cancer, you know, your chemo treatments end on X Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that life is going to start to go back to normal. Although we could agree it's really just a new normal because I'm a whole different person after having had cancer, a better person, Mm -hmm. better, Mm -hmm. adaptable, right? But yes, we don't know when's it going to end. And and that's okay. I'm not saying it's not that it's Mm -hmm. that. I'm just saying that it's, it's a different kind of situation. And I think there's so much value to saying embracing the suck because the fact is, when you do, then you say, okay, where am I going to find those silver linings? Right. All right. I live right. in a place where I have a back patio. Yeah. I live in a place where I can take my power walk every morning. Yes. If I lived in New York City still, those things wouldn't be, they, there'd be different things. That are right. Just they'd just be new, different. Yeah. But they and, and I know how much I value the ability to be outside and get fresh air. Like, it's right. crucial for me. Like, I'm, I think right. I'm either a cat or a plant in a prior life. <laughs> That's so, funny that you would say that. That's funny. Seriously. I, so, I just, you know, I look at it and I say, all right, where are the good points here? What are the values? What, what, 
can I still live my values? Yeah. Can I be adaptable in this yeah. situation to make it better? So what's a great thing I've, I know my neighbor's names. Nice. What? <laughs> I didn't know my neighbor's nice. names. I never saw them. You know, I was mm. walking or whatever and you know, huh, and you just walk by. Now it's like, oh, Deneen, oh, it's so nice to be. Oh, you have a dog? I love your dog. That's great. You know, like, I didn't know my neighbor's names. Mm. I probably would have never known. I knew a few. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not a total like. That makes my sense. Now I know most of my neighbor's you, names, right? Mm. And, and, and you think about that. You think about what does it mean to know our neighbors? It means that if I'm in a jam, I could actually contact somebody right. and say, you know, can you help me with? We had a situation where a dog had gotten loose. And I know this neighbor, Amy, and I, and I know her by name now. I didn't use to know mm-hmm. And, you know, we were trying to figure out the whole dog situation. And I was out on my power walk and she was um, getting ready to go somewhere. So she was really in a jam on time. And she said, I think I know the owner of this dog. Um, I said, well, let me walk back. So I walk back to that owner's house. I knock on the door. I say, you know, whatever. Can I have a leash so I can bring your dog back to you? And, you know, that probably wouldn't have happened. No, not pre-COVID. Not that way. Not that way of... I would have probably been like, oh, I need to report a missing dog. And that would have been it. I wouldn't have really gotten actively involved in trying to help a neighbor be reunited. With mm. But now I knew the people, you know what I mean? It's just, it's different. You know, yeah. That's good. We have lost. And I, I don't want to say it's a bad thing. Cause I, I hate good and bad. It's better knowing that we can be neighborly. Mm. You know, I think we've had to get small in a very global world, right? We're very global. Right. But in order to right. do this, we've had to get small. Yeah, because this, this, this COVID situation has brought on a new level for me because I don't, um, I live by myself. I don't have, you know, kids and all that sort of thing. But it's a way, it's a different level of loneliness that most people haven't had to experience. Mm. And, and, um, and I love how you're, you know, saying you've been forced to make us realize we don't have to be lonely. Right. Right. And what, what does that, you know, what does that mean to you? Like, oh, I'm feeling kind of lonely. So I reach out, you know, can you do a Zoom call with me really quickly? Do you want to get on the phone? Do I say hi to my neighbors? Right. You know? And I I heard you when you're on your power walk, you say hi to your neighbors. So I heard it in action. I do. I do. And, um, you know, one of my, I have a a virtual assistant that kind of helps me a little bit. And she said that her favorite part of my walks is when I speak to the people that I pass by. She was like, oh, I love when you speak to them. I'm thinking, what else would I do? Except for the people, do you notice that some people I speak to and they don't speak back? So you know what I do? I just keep speaking to them whenever I see them. <laughs> yes. Good for you. I will love you into submission. Notice that um, we go down in Delaware to a beach area and everyone says hi in the street. And I've always kind of missed yeah. that here. I was always mm. like, oh, I really just wish people would say hi. Well, now everybody does. Yeah. Everybody will say hi if you say hi. Yeah. Well, I would used to say hi and no one would say hi. Now everybody's outside. We get chatting and everything else. And I don't know how I, I love get that. my power walked on. 
Sometimes I have to wear my headphones so that, you know, I don't get into a chat. You know, the um, headphones, though, that I wear, I started wearing these because they're uh, bone conducting. Right. And that way I could still hear what goes on around me. Ooh, I see a new toy in my future. Yeah. Yeah. In my future. All right. I believe it or not, we have been going and going. How can people find you, Nayota? Um, thank you so much for this opportunity. I just wanted to say that again. You know, um, I have been stepping into my opportunities to show up. And I definitely appreciate you facilitating this journey that I have. Um, so I just wanted to thank you because this is, you know, this is personal for me. So, so thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I have, um, so you notice that I am adaptability coach and leadership strategist. And for me, and people may not believe this or think this, but part of my healing process for transitioning from the military was entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. you know, so um, I am an unlikely entrepreneur, but um, I know people struggle with getting started. Mm. And um, I am hosting a five-day free challenge of uh, starting your business. You know, it doesn't have to be an empire yet. You know, it can start small and doing just one thing to help, not just help you, but help someone else. And Entrepreneur gives us an opportunity to serve. So I am hosting it and I'll have uh, the link here. It's um, bit.ly slash start your business 2020 so when does it start um it starts monday and so when when people um get this you know you may have already posted it but um it's a group so you can still come in you could still get support you could still see other people that are where you are and just getting started because sometimes we you know that's the confusion i want to help I want to help other people through entrepreneurship, but how do I get started? Right. I love it. And come on in and get started. And then I think you're at transition365.com. Yes, that's my website. So they can also find me there. That website is in transition itself. (laughs) So um, I'm looking to. though. It's short and sweet, but very effective. Yeah, I'm looking to make it a lot more pretty. Mine is adapted to a behemoth and I need to start paring it down again. (laughs) Mm, I like that, you know, but just, you know, just being able to show up. So for me, that's, you know, fixing my webpage to be a lot more clear, you know, accepting invites to be on people's platform, you know, how can I be an advocate for someone else if I'm not an advocate for myself? Oh, that's that's perfect. It's so true. Thank you again for coming on. I'm so grateful to you. Thank you so much for having me and have a great day. You too. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week.
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.